0: So let's just start off with what we had last week. Our catechism question was, what are the sacraments or ordinances? And the answer, actually, don't even look at that. Turn it over. Don't look at it. (laughs) I I just looked like, oh, wait. I was supposed to ask you, what are the ordinances? What are the two ordinances that we believe that we should follow? Teresa. Baptism Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, why do we use the word ordinances? What does that mean? Law, it's a command, right? Just like in the city ordinances, it's a command. That's what what we do now. Our sac, our catechism question said sacraments. How many remember what it meant to be a sacrament? It's 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 a um, it's a it's it stems from the word mystery, and that. There is something mysterious in these things, and the word sacrament in the Catholic Church tends to, it doesn't tend, it, it means that there is saving grace imparted when you are participating in those things. So they have seven sacraments, and we don't agree that any of those things give grace that saves. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace you are saved, right? This not of yourself is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Um, So let's read now. You can turn it over now that the answer is right there. What are the sacraments or ordinances? That was the question. The answer was the sacraments or ordinances given by God and instituted by Christ, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, are visible signs and seals that we are bound together as a community of faith by his death and resurrection. By our use of them, the Holy Spirit more fully declares and seals the promises of the gospel to us. All right, so now I have on there a little snippet from the commercial news written here by a guy named Nick Shipman, which some of you know, some of you went to school with him. Uh, I would not normally call someone out, but he has called us out. He's named us on his Facebook. Um, named he named us. And he named pretty much every church in town that he didn't agree with. But he he specifically calls out, the particularly churches that teach um, anything, any time that baptism, churches that teach that baptism doesn't save. And he called them all out. So I'm going to call him out and say he's wrong. But this was an article. He wrote a series of articles. I don't know if he still does, but... He even highlights right there in that first paragraph. I have it underlined. As one local denomination puts it, it should be made clear in this that there is no saving power in baptism. It is meant as a first step. And then notice in the parentheses who, where he pulled that from. He pulled that from Calvary Baptist's website. Okay, so he's his first question right there at the top: Is water baptism necessary in order for one to be saved from sins? And he then. Goes down, if you look at the bottom of that column, I underlined what he says. He says, I will be answering the opening question with a resounding yes. So I'm just going to state here today that this is false teaching. False teaching because baptism itself does not save you. The only thing that can save you is Jesus' blood and righteousness. Right? So um, you have to be very careful, though. And if you read through his article, he brings out a lot of passages that can be twisted to mean something else. So our question today is, number question 44 is, what is baptism? Baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It signifies, and I crossed out, does it cross that on yours? And seal's our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to his church. I'm not comfortable at this point in my, my understanding of the Bible to say that baptism itself seals our adoption into Christ. Um, I see where they're coming from. I'm going to get into a few things today that help us see that. Um, if you believe that I'm okay with that. (laughs) It'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on that, but um, I'm not comfortable. I would rather leave it as just as signifies. So what does this mean, and where does it come from in the Bible? Let's all turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and just see, like, this is the main text that would drive the answer to that question. The part that this text doesn't show us is the part of... Uh, yeah, it's sealing, and I don't, I have a, some issues there <laughs> at this point. So we're looking at Matthew 28, last chapter of the book of Matthew, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came, this is after Jesus' resurrection. He spent many days with his disciples after that. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So you directly see right there where our catechism answer comes from, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's that's the text Jesus tells us, and and I think it was... Mark or Jeff that when I asked why we baptized, one of you said because Jesus told us to. <laughs> right? And that's probably the easiest answer. Like if you want, if somebody asks you to say, well, Jesus tells us to. I don't even fully understand it, maybe. That's okay of an answer, but Jesus tells me to, so I'm gonna do it. But let's get into it a little bit to understand the why a little bit more. We started to delve into this, but we're gonna Explore it a little bit today, and then next week's question is about the Lord's Supper, and then we'll explain that too how it relates to the covenants. So, let me just ask you first how does someone become a child of God? Trust and obey. Trust and obey? Um, I'd like the trust part. (laughs) Oh, was it something from his article?
1: Oh, I see what you. Sorry.
0: Oh, <laughs> he's trying to guess on the blanks. Uh, it's not trust and obey, but I would say that trust is part of the answer. How does one. Uh, yes, thank you. Repent and believe, right? Which is where the trust part is. Uh, tomatoes, I'd throw it at him. <laughs> uh, repent and believe. So when we say to repent, To repent means to forsake your sins and your own salvation efforts. So repenting means turning away from your salvation efforts, realizing I can't do it. I have tried, and that is something I need to turn from. It's turning from my sins and from my salvation efforts, because you can't do it. That's what repentance is, turning away from both of those things, and believing means putting all of your trust in the full work of Jesus for your eternal salvation, right? We summarize it. This is the message that John the Baptist came preaching. Jesus said at the beginning of Mark, the apostles taught it, repent and believe. So that, that's important for us to think about. Why? What happens? You first repent and believe, and then you're baptized, right? It's not repent and believe and, you're, and baptize and you're saved. You repent and believe and you're saved and you're baptized. Then you get baptized. I do think it should be much more sooner than a lot of churches do. Um, this is some of the things that I appreciate about some of the the, the 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 Christian denomination, churches of Christ denominations that don't emphasize baptism for salvation, but yet they put the the emphasis, like, you repent believe, and then you get baptized. Like, right away, they do that. And I think that's a commendable. I think that's commendable. I don't see any reason why you should wait. And I do have a problem if they teach that you have to do that, because if you don't, you won't go to heaven. <laughs> that, that's, I just don't see that in Scripture. But what I want to show is this question of how baptism relates to the covenant, because there are brothers and sisters in Christ, church denominations that teach Something that, how this relates to the covenant, and I kind of disagree with how they do that. So let's look at Genesis 17. We looked at it last week, but let's go back there again. Genesis 17, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10 this time. Last week we read 1 through 8, but we're going to go all the way through verse 10 this time. Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. and I will be their God. Verse 9, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, in the old covenant, that circumcision was the sign of, The evidence, the seal of being in that covenant. We don't need to get into the, I have all kinds of questions like that about how do you know? That's kind of weird, right? But it is what it is. It was the sign that Jesus, that God gave to Abraham. This is my covenant with you, and he makes the covenant. And the question is, comes up, when did Abraham believe? Did he believe after he was circumcised? No he did not. It actually explicitly says that in Romans. We're going to look at it in just a minute. But Abraham first believed it was credited to him as righteousness, it says in Romans. And then God gives him this covenant and says, this is the sign of the covenant, circumcision. Okay? Now Jesus, do you remember the words he said at the new at the Lord's at the last supper with his disciples? He took the cup and he said, "This is the new covenant in my blood." The new covenant in my blood. What Jesus did is he started, we use this fancy word inaugurated, he started the new a new covenant. So what would you think in your head might be the sign and seal of the new covenant. If the old covenant sign was circumcision, what would you think would be the sign and seal of the new covenant? Given what you know so far, no, that could be the Lord's Supper, right? That's a natural guess. Baptism. That's the natural. Thank you, Todd. He's, he knew the answer. Just waiting for. A Come on, people. That's what we would naturally think. And this is why I have a problem with the word using the word seal in our catechism answer, because I don't believe that the 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 new covenant sign seal is baptism. Okay, I think that's an outward evidence of the real sign and seal. So let's see what it is. Um, I'm just looking at my notes like I don't know why. I wanted to give you the answer and then give you the text. But let's actually look at the answer, the text first, and then I'll talk about it. So go over to, if you're in Genesis, like go to almost the middle of your Bible and you're going to find the book of Ezekiel. So mine's a little past the middle. Ezekiel 36. So Ezekiel and Jeremiah, um, Isaiah are all books that are given to Israel either in the middle of their exile. They've been punished and sent to Babylon because of their idolatry. They did not keep the Mosaic covenant. They go to Babylon. Those three books are either right as it happens or prophesying it's about to happen, but they're all right then. And they've, it's, it's all about how the covenant's been broken by the, the people of Israel. They have not kept the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the laws. Don't, don't worship other gods. They've broken it bad. So they're in Babylon. Ezekiel here now talks about a new covenant that will come, and it's going to replace the old covenant. So look at verses 25 through 27. Ah. Uh, You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. What does the new covenant say about their hearts? When in this prophecy of a new covenant, what does he say about the heart? He's replacing it, he's going to give you a new heart. So it's interesting because they didn't keep the commandments. And if you look at this passage, and if you wanted to look further in Jeremiah 37, you would see that in this new covenant, God putting his spirit in his people, giving them a new heart will enable them to obey and keep the covenant, the laws of Christ eventually, right? All right, so now go over to Romans 4. So we see, first of all, the new covenant is going to produce new hearts. Now jump all the way over to Romans 4. And this is where... Paul talks about Abraham and the covenant and the new covenant. It's, it's it's rich. I mean, someday I'll preach the Romans, or you will, and you haven't tackled that one yet, right? Oh man, it's like Hebrews and Romans. You want to someday? What's that? Yeah,
1: we're like 30
0: years right, it's true. We'll be in Luke for a while. So, so look at Romans four verses nine through twelve. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? He's talking about the blessing uh, of Christ and righteousness that's given. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. All right, so just stop there. Circumcision right there is directly stated. It's not even hard language. Circumcision is given there as a seal of righteousness in that covenant. All right, keep reading. While he was still uncircumcised, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now, um, that is helping us see that the sign... And the old was, and the seal was circumcision. And that now there's something new. And I, I don't, there's, is it later in this same chapter? Give me a second here. Well, oh, that's all right. So Abraham first believed, then he was circumcised. Now let's move over to Colossians 2, and you'll see a connection now, finally, to baptism and to this circumcision thing. That's really, really strange for us. I get that. Colossians 2, verse 11 through 13. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been baptized with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of flesh, God made alive. Now, that made alive there is another way of saying he gave you a new heart. God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And I don't have time today to go and show you, but even starting as early as Deuteronomy chapter 10, I believe, you will see God already start to say that what you need is not a physical circumcision, but a spiritual circumcision. So if you're looking at blanks on your thing, on your handout there, salvation involves a spiritual circumcision of the heart. When Nicodemus came to Jesus at night in John 3, he said to him, you must be what? Born again. You needed to have a new heart. And there's a term that we call that, it really comes from Peter using this term, Called regeneration. Regeneration is you getting that new heart, and the, right here, when in Colossians, when Paul is talking about baptism, it's showing that you were baptized into Christ in a spiritual way, and that spiritual circumcision, that new heart, regeneration, is the sign. The sign and seal in the new covenant is not baptism. But it's the new heart. You're going to see a lot of times in the Old Testament, you see a physical thing that God had his people do. And we call it a type because it points forward to something in the future. And then when you get to the New Testament, Jesus or the apostles talk about that type being fulfilled. And we call that an anti-type, not like against, but the the complement So what usually you'll see of the physical thing is it's a spiritual thing in the New Testament. That it pointed to a bigger spiritual reality. For example, Paul talks in Corinthians about when they drank from the rock in the wilderness. That was a real physical thing. He says they were drinking from Christ. The Old Testament has all these physical things that point to what Paul calls shadows of a reality. So Circumcision, physical circumcision in the Old Testament, spiritual circumcision in the New is the sign and seal of the New Covenant. Baptism, though, physical baptism, is showing that that has happened. It is showing you that you have, showing the world that you have died with Christ, been buried with Him, given a new heart and raised to new life, that you would walk with Him. So, um, that's what I would say about the, the sign. And the reason I don't like our catechism saying seals, because I think that the real seal is the new heart that you're given. And that the baptism is just the outward sign that, hey, this is what's happened to me internally. Okay, so the, the next bullet in there says, The New Testament teaches that faith comes first and then baptism. Faith comes first and then baptism. So let me just give you a few examples. I'm not going to turn to all those passages. I'll just explain them. So John the Baptist started baptizing people before Jesus came on the scene. He was baptizing a certain kind of people. He wasn't baptizing them so that their sins would be forgiven. He was baptizing them because they were repentant. He's baptizing repentant adults. Baptizing repentant adults. So then Jesus says, in the passage we read, Matthew 18 or 20, verse 18 through 20, the main verb there is make disciples. How I go and do that. And you make disciples and then baptize. <laughs> right? You see that? He, you make disciples and then you baptize them and then you teach them all to observe all that I've commanded you. So it's just a natural make disciples, which means preach, repent, and believe. When they repent and believe, you baptize them and then teach them to observe all that he commanded. And then the apostles baptized only those demonstrating faith. They didn't just baptize people who hopefully they would come to faith. That's, that's what happened in church history later when they would go and conquer all these areas. The priests would come along with the soldiers and just baptize everybody. And that somehow would give them faith. <laughs> that, that didn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. So here's the tough question. And Nick Shipman brings this out. But anybody that's going to challenge you on this is going to more like, more than likely bring to you your attention. Acts 2.38. So Acts 2.38 is a passage that does sound. Oh my gosh, it, the blood, Paul! This sounds exactly like the opposite of what you're saying. Let me go there real quick to read it to you. Acts two thirty-eight. Peter said to them, "Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Wow, Paul, that just sounds like that completely undermines what you just said. Do you see that? Well, (laughs) I get that. The problem is is we can't just take one verse right out of the middle and say that 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 now undermines everything else the New Testament says. Because if you would just go a few chapters ahead to chapter 10, Acts 10 with Cornelius, in verse 43, Peter again says to him, Jesus... All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So either Peter doesn't know what he's talking about, he's contradicting himself, or we're missing something. And there's a whole lot of reasons why. And I put a good article in the handout there for you to look at that walks through arguments of why for the forgiveness of sins right there, cannot mean that the baptism itself gives you forgiveness. What were you going to say?
1: Um, well, two things. One, if you keep going in Acts chapter 10, the very next story is the story of these people mm-hmm. receiving the Holy Spirit and then Peter says, but well, what's to keep us from baptizing them? I mean, they don't, they're all, so the Spirit came before. Yes. Um, the other thing is I heard a, a guy a long time ago say that Acts 2 passage. <clears throat> It'd be like if he said, if you get on the bus and sit down, you'll go to school. Well, you get on the bus and stand up, you're still going to go to school. You're just being disobedient along the way. Bob Bob
0: Miller. That sounds like a Bob Miller thing that he would say. That's good. good Well, even in that same paragraph, so they bring out that verse, Mm -hmm. but they're ignoring the whole paragraph. So at the very beginning of verse 42, these people, uh, not 42. Two thirty-seven. these people hear Peter's sermon and it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, to the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? At that point, these people already believed the message that he had heard. Yeah. And even if you go to the end of the paragraph, it says, verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. So they believe first, then they're baptized. So, I, um, you may be like, why are you ham- hammering on this? Because of this. <laughs> this is going to hit you. It's right in our town. And this guy, I can't believe. Like He went to Calvary with the cameras. And the, he went in and tried to challenge him right there in the service. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was bad news. He's done that to a couple churches. Yes, he has.
0: I'm just waiting for the day. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, he won't get past the bill. I was going to say...
0: Bill and Donnie will be like
1: <laughs> I don't want to think about what Bill might do.
0: To to. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be we'll be kind and gracious. I don't know. I just I this there's another passage in 1 Peter. Yes. You know, one yes. About, he actually says it's it corresponds to it's talking about the flood says Right, it corresponds to that. To that. Yep. So Think about this. So that first Peter passage and that link I gave you has a link to a separate article in that same passage. In the flood, what saved them? Was it the water? No, that was the judgment. In fact, you will see through the Bible that water means one of two things usually. It either means chaos and judgment or it means life-giving. In the story of the flood, water must mean judgment. What saves them in the flood? Their faith, right? Their faith. And it's symbolized, shown by them being in the ark. The ark saves them. <laughs> so Peter can't mean that the water, when he says it corresponds to, it can't mean that the water is saving them. And that if he's going to use that illustration and connecting it to, to the ark, it's going to be the ark and their faith to go put themselves to get into the ark. Right? Yes, exactly, Mark, exactly, exactly. So we've got just a few minutes left, and I want to just ask you, why does it matter? I've got four reasons here for why it matters, but be thinking, okay, what else would you add? Why does baptism matter? Why, why does this whole conversation matter? Um, so the first one we've already talked about, because Jesus commands it. That's why it matters. Well, if Jesus commands it, that explicit, I want to know what Jesus commands. I want to know what he tells me to do because he says, if you love me, you'll do what I, you'll, you'll keep my commands, right? I think it also matters because it's the first step of obedience. Like, if you weren't baptized, right, it, so soon after you came to Christ, you should be thinking, why am I not baptized? Because God is telling you, Jesus is telling you, be baptized, right? And then third, because when you do, it shows the world that you belong to Christ. That was super important in the time the New Testament was written. Because if you got baptized, you're basically saying Caesar is not God. In fact, when you would be baptized, there was a, they would say, who is Jesus Christ? And they would say, he's my Lord and Savior. And that Lord, kurios in the Greek, is the same word that Caesar wanted to be called, he wanted to be called Lord. And they would say, who is Jesus to you? And you'd say, Jesus is Lord and my Savior, and then you're baptized, and your life's going to change, Now we don't get that in America, but I guarantee you, if you live in Sudan, it's the same for them, because their life, if they get baptized, they could be dead, their family will immediately ostracize them, and that's the, that's just the beginning of their problems, (laughs) so it shows the world you belong to Christ, and then fourth, because it shows the church that you are with them, so that's why I think it's really important in a, to do baptism in a gathering of your local church that you're a part of, because you're showing that I am with you, and I want you to hold me accountable, because this is the profession I'm making, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm with you. So what would you say, though? What else would you add or comments on that as far as importance of baptism or even any questions?
1: Have a misunderstanding about that, where they they find their confidence just in that thing. Why yeah. this happened at this point, and you know, just understanding it better opens up a door of opportunity. Sometimes to talk about it with people and help them see that no, that's not yeah. whether or not they are genuinely a Christian or not. Yeah, it's helping them to see that that's not it's not based on. That.
0: I I think that's fantastic because for I've been being a pastor since like. 2004 or 5 ish. And I've had to, in the church that I've been in, to become a member, you come, you sit down with the elders and make, you give your testimony. And when I first started doing that and hearing people's testimony, if the first word that came out of their mouth was, well, I was baptized when, my mind immediately went, immediately went to, well, they can't be a believer because they're putting their hope in the baptism. And I've had to mature in that because I have to ask them questions and especially around that time I was going to seminary, started studying history, church history, there's a reason why people immediately point to their baptism. Because that is the point in time that you know for sure you told the world that I'm with Jesus. So then I just press on it a little bit. Okay, that's awesome. Why did you get baptized then? And what did it mean? Right? And then I find out, well, is there hope really in Jesus or is in that baptism? It's almost like, well, I graduated at this point. That's... That summarizes everything that happened to you in high school or college, right? So baptism in itself, if somebody says, well, I was baptized, okay, I don't necessarily think right away anymore, <laughs> well, you weren't a Christian, it's, it's, well, what did that mean? It, it, so throughout church history, people point to that period of time in their life, well, that's when I came to Christ. Because I immediately got baptized, just like the the Ethiopian eunuch who's reading the Book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, and Philip comes alongside and says, "What are you reading?" He comes to faith in Christ, and he says, "Well, there's water here. Why can't we get baptized?" That was like how quick it would be. So I kind of I kind of get that.
2: But you know, I grew up in the middle of this yeah controversy because we went to you know, we went to Church of Christ, right? And
0: we went to First Baptist, <laughs> so my mom It was always like this for us. I'm not going to answer that for
2: you. I want you to dig. You dig yourself.
1: Mm. And
2: it's really interesting to me because I see both sides kind of making this Uh when, Like, I don't know how to say this. There's, I've never seen a person... Within Church of Christ, get baptized without a confession of faith yeah. and a commitment to repentance. Yeah. So it's hand in hand in hand. Yep. Yeah. And I understand on the Baptist side where it, it, there's more of a time between, but at the same time, I've also seen where there's too much of a span. Yes. God, whereas agree. Whereas they're hand in hand in hand. Yes. And and you know you you talk about the Acts ten scripture. Mm-hmm. There's a scripture in Acts eight where it talks about people had heard the message, repented, baptized, and then didn't receive the Holy Spirit. And yet. didn't receive the Spirit. Yep. And, right. and to me, it's like, why are we trying to say this is what? It, why are yeah. we trying to say this is how the Spirit works? When I think it's clear that the Spirit does what the Spirit does <laughs> when the Spirit does it. Yeah. And so I saw the same thing in the Baptist realm. I saw this emphasis on the prayer. Yeah. Yes. the Absolutely. Yep. And I'll, again, I'm Maybe like, worse. you have lost sight of the fact that it's mm-hmm. it's it's this it's it's a it's a heart decision right. between me as a human and Jesus. And yep. Yeah. Our Savior. Yes. Right? Yes. It's not. I don't. Somebody doesn't even have to say the prayer with the pastor. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. Because the Spirit gives you a new heart, and when that happens. Your eyes are open. You yeah. believe. And you say, well, which one happened first? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You, and and that's, I, I find that refreshing because just knowing, like, those of us who went to First Baptist with friends that went to a church of Christ, there was just always these arguments. And you're right, Jeff. we would get hung up on a prayer right. or hung up on a baptism, and we're both missing it. Yeah. Right?
1: I, on that same note, I, there's been times where I wished we could find a way logistically to keep the baptismal. Full and warm. <laughs> warm anyway. Yeah. Because I, w- I would love to do it that like, Like, someone, I mean, I. it could be in the middle of the week, and somebody's like, I, I want to be a Christian. I'd be like, let's go. I, ca- I got a spot I can take you right now and just, yes. you know, like. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> There's creeps everywhere, man. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Stony Creek. Yeah. Kansas, yeah. Well, that's what Phil Robertson from the Duck Dynasty he'll he'll
0: baptize you we're 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 definitely rabbit trailing. Josh has a yeah, comment. I may be way off in this
1: but uh it seems to me like the people who feel like you need baptism in order to be saved it
2: almost leans for something we can do to save ourselves. And me
1: that
0: that almost if they're putting that emphasis. Yeah, if they're putting that emphasis to the same extent as what we saw like, with this prayer. Like, okay. if you didn't make this prayer in this kind of formula, that in itself becomes the idol. Well, I prayed a prayer. You I know, went they, down, these right? And did, <laughs> when did you go down the aisle, right? The, 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 and the folks who wait for a long time to allow someone to be baptized, if, if you make a profession of faith as a child, some churches will want you to wait till you're 18, and to me, I think, and I, I could be wrong in this, I think that betrays what they say baptism means. Because if baptism really isn't doing something spiritually to you, but it's an outward, what you're doing, then why do you have to wait? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I know what their thought is, is like they want to prevent false converts. Well, that's up to God. Yeah.
1: To me, said, I want to get baptized. Is a time when get in there?
0: No, I was scratching my neck.
1: Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, like, I'm scratching my- um, and and I, I don't know, honestly, I don't know if I did the right thing, but I was like, I mean, this kid's parent doesn't go here, hmm. and I was like, you know what, I, I'd like to talk to your mom first. Um, that was actually, but I, I had a hard time with that because there was that part of me as well. It was like, if why would I not? But then I'm like, you know, should I at least? But of course, then the the parent would never call me. And so, you know, I was yeah. never able to do it. and The, the kid doesn't, doesn't come very often. But mm. um, that's where it gets, you know, I, w- I had a tough time working my head through that. Like, what should I do in this situation? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So I like what you brought up about that pressure.
0: About mm-hmm.
2: Living in, Su- in Sudan, mm. I I feel like most of the things that we as the, the church get hung up on mm. are because we don't have the pressure. Mm-hmm. We don't we have time to sit here and and squabble about this over here and this yeah. over here. Whereas if if we were in a country where we didn't have the same permissions and allowances, mm-hmm. would it change how we... Absolutely. I, I believe it would. Yeah. And I, I think we would then ask the question, you know, do I have a baptistry that's warm and, and ready? That's that's out of convenience, but that's because yeah. we live in a convenient...
0: Right. Pressure. Right. And I don't know how you would that. You, you, can't, you can't force that
1: pressure, right? Right. But... Take the, I'll take the warm one when I can. <laughs> yeah, right. If it comes down to it, guys, I'll be in the creek. But, but it's just yeah.
2: interesting, that, that cultural aspect of... Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm going to close this in prayer. He hasn't given me the look, and I'm kind of surprised. But it's 20 after, so let me pray. And then next week, we'll have a similar discussion about the Lord's table. I think it will be a lot less controversy for us on that one. But it should be exciting. I, um, Father, I just thank you for your word to us that is precious to us, and it's um, your words from your son Jesus who, who t- gives us commands like to forgive one another and to, to love one another and to serve one another and to um, love our enemies, but also says to be baptized and to observe all that you have commanded. We ask for your help to be faithful to believers, not comfortable in where we're at, but really seeking to show Christ to others by doing what you tell us to do, even when it's hard. And God, I know the time is coming when it will be harder for us. We've already had hints and tastes of it. Help us to be faithful as a church, to stand up and speak the truth no matter what happens. In Jesus' name, amen.